Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 48, Overall 323 of Live with CDP Sports. Let's talk sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or can, you can email them at info at barrycullen.com. And as always, live with CDP Sports Talk is on weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. Good afternoon, everybody, and I hope everyone's doing well on this Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Obviously, the weather here is more like fall weather, football weather, and I'm looking forward to my guest today. Um, my guest today is his first appearance on our show. Uh, his name is Tim Baines. He's a journalist, colonist with the Ottawa Sun since 1988, and he covers the Ottawa Senators now, and he's covered the Red Blacks of the CFL since 2014, and we're going to bring on Tim, who I met uh, recently at BMO Field, I believe a year ago, uh, when the Red Blacks uh, defeated the Argos at BMO Field. And I think that was the last time the Argos lost a home game there. I'm not sure. I think it was either Ottawa or Edmonton. Good afternoon, yeah. Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, it seems like so long ago back, uh, like the thought of Ottawa winning football games. Uh, yeah, for, it, it, thanks, Chris, for having me on. The, the thought of of uh, the Red Blacks being competitive with the first place Argos right now really seems a little far-fetched. Yeah, it's been a tough season for the Red Blacks, 4-12. and 12. Um, What are your overall thoughts on the Ottawa Red Blacks? And uh, do you feel there's going to be some changes with the coaching staff and management going forward to 2024? Yeah, it's really tough to pinpoint one reason why the, why the season has gone sideways. I think if you look at the, the teams who are at the top of the heap right now, they also are the teams with, 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 with their starting quarterbacks intact. Um, it's never good when you lose your starting quarterback. It's even worse when you lose your second string quarterback. And when you got to rely on your four string quarterback to get you through the year. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, the loss of Jeremiah Masoli didn't start the year was, was still recovering. Um, and, and, and then got hurt when he returned. It's a, it's in the CFL. It's a really, really tough hurdle to jump over. Because the quarterback offers uh, occupies so much of your salary cap space, it's really tough. So that they got hit with that right at the beginning of the season. They were competitive. They were three and three at one point, and uh, they fell. And the season fell off the rails from there. Obviously, three and three. And I'm trying to I'm trying to add up four four and uh, twelve right now. Yeah. So okay. the, the it, it's really really they've really fallen. You ask, will there be changes? 
um, you know, ultimately in sports, if they're, as they say, it's tough to fire all the players. So in the CFL, you can change really the dynamic of a team through free agency, but you can only do so much of that. So what I expect changes. Yeah, I think there have to be some changes. I suspect the general manager and the head coach will return. But beyond that, um, again, if I got to think ownership and, and those up above are looking to make some changes for sure. Jeremiah Mazzoli, at his age, do you feel he's he is he is there talk of him trying to come back rehab for next year, or do you think this could be it for his football career? Um, Jeremiah is a very proud man. Uh, he's he's had some obviously elite years in the CFL. I'm trying to remember, not that long ago with the Ticats, he was the East Division uh, most outstanding player. Will he come back? It's been a tough couple of years for him. Um, he settled down in Ottawa with his family, and I think by all accounts, they enjoyed here. Um, I would suspect that they're not, the team is probably not in any mood to pay him half a million dollars to be their quarterback next year. But if there's some kind of incentive deal that uh, can be worked out, um, yeah, I do think there's a possibility. And not only if there is a deal to be worked out, if Jeremiah feels like he really doesn't want to go out on this note, if he wants to come back to the CFL, and get a season or two more in, but he's going to have to do it for for less money, uh, for sure. What are what's your overall thoughts on Dustin Crum, and do you feel he, that he could be a starting quarterback long term in the CFL? From what you've seen so far, I do. It, it, it's really tough to judge, especially the past couple of weeks. We've seen we've seen how mobile he is. I, I believe he's the leading rushing quarterback in the CFL. We've seen. There's an escapability factor there, but we've also seen, especially the past couple of weeks against Montreal, where uh, the Alouette's defensive coordinator, Noel Thorpe, unleashed uh, unleashed his troops and, and they were all over. They were blitzing play after play and didn't really give Crum much room to operate. So it's really tough to judge at this point. Can he be a number one quarterback in the league? Because he's, uh, I think, initially maybe taking too long to throw the ball. And now he doesn't have much of a chance to do anything because it's like an onslaught of defenders chasing him around. Um, he doesn't have, I don't think, I don't think he has the strongest arm in the CFL, but the guy has extreme smarts, literally a rocket scientist uh, in school. So he he's smart enough. He's got, certainly possesses a lot of the tools to be a CFL quarterback. He needs time. And you do have Karahari Jones on the coaching staff that could work with him going in the offseason as well. Yeah, there's uh, he's getting lots of help. Um, they've also got Tyree Adams, who was their number two quarterback, who was injured early in the season, who, who they're very, very high on. So they've got a couple of young quarterbacks that certainly both, uh, if given the opportunity, could be starting quarterbacks in the CFL. I guess the big question is, Ottawa coming off a disastrous season. They'll be the last place team in the East. Does Ottawa have the patience to go into next year with a relatively unproven quarterback as their starter? Can you afford to have their, their, this will be their fourth straight losing season. Can you afford to do that 
you you can't have a fifth straight bad bad season. So it'll be an interesting off season for sure. What's the overall mood of the city of Ottawa and, and with the Red Black fans and the media right now with this franchise? I think they're jumping off bridges. No, I, I don't think I don't think they're very happy right now. Uh, again, it's been it's been a long period of time. You talk about the the early success this franchise had in the second year, 2015, second year of their existence, they get to the Grey Cup. And I think you could make a strong argument that that 2015 team is the best Red Blacks team we've had here in the second year of existence. It was a phenomenal uh, a rise, really, to think that an expansion team could be that successful in year two. They got to three Grey Cups in four years. So there was that period where expectations, like the fans were like, this is the greatest thing because... In, in previous days with the Rodwell Rough Riders and the Renegades, there had been a long period, long droughts as well. So then something happened, though. Um, yeah, 2019 was kind of the year one of, of the downfall. That was Rick Campbell's last year as a head coach here. They won three games. And then you've got a, a season lost to COVID. But then they come back with three wins, which cost the, the, the general manager his job. And then they get four wins last year and, and they've got four wins right now with, I guess, with the possibility of getting six, but do we think they can beat the Toronto Argonauts to, to even get to five? It's got to be considered. It, it's just a, another lost season. And I think the fan base now is extremely impatient They're earlier in the year. You, you've got to give the fans hope. And I think a couple of the victories early in the season against Winnipeg and Calgary, did give the fans hope, but you can only sell hope for so long. And the bottom line is you've got to win football games. And they're not doing that nearly often enough. I thought Rick Campbell, I, I didn't like the fact they let him go, but I think Rick Campbell is a very good head coach. But uh, overall, what do you think of Bob Dice? Do you think he can be a very good head coach in this league? I think he can be. And, and certainly the, the fan base has been a little bit, has been critical of some of the in-game decisions. I think if we look back to, to Ryan Dinwiddie, there were there were people calling for him to be fired, I think, in his first year, questioning yes. some of his decisions. And now look where look where he is now. And I think he would be have to be considered one of the top head coaches in the league right now. So sometimes it takes, you, you got to make decisions under fire. Um, the... He, I've got to. I, I, I've got to. I, I'm going to endorse Bob Dice. I think that he uh, is and, and can be a very good head coach in the CFL. Um, and I do believe that that will be the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, next season. And and to be honest, too, the uh, the Argonauts now finally have stability with Dimwitty, Pinball, Clements, their coaching staff. And I think part of the reason the CFL failed in Ottawa in the past, obviously, was uh, poor ownership, but the, the instability with GMs and coaches and stuff like that. So I I do agree with you. Uh, I think the only way a team gets better is to have a little bit of stability because changing your coaches and GMs on a regular basis doesn't help either, especially with our recruiting players to your team. It's also difficult under the, the CFL football operations salary cap to replace coaches too often because you've got a, you've got a salary cap and you replay it. And if you get rid of a coach before his time is up, that money's on your salary cap. So it limits what you can do the following year as well. 
and that's going to be that that that's a difficulty that teams right across the league have. If you're not happy with your guy and he's on a two or three year contract, it's a difficult it's, it's difficult to move on. Absolutely, and uh, look at the Edmonton Oaks of how much they've struggled recently too. And I think now they're on the right ship. I do think Chris Jones is a good head coach, but I do think he should step away from the GM spot because I, I just think it's too much to ask one guy to do two roles. Pulse, yeah, in my opinion. No, yeah, there's no question. It is a lot. You have a, an awful lot in his plate. And there's guys got, got guys helping him out on the football operations side, but but you're right, it is an awful lot. Now, who are some players on Ottawa uh this show that we could keep an eye out for the 2024 season? I think one of the players that's emerged is running back Devontae Williams. Uh one of the positives this season has been kind of the emergence uh, of an Ottawa running game, something we haven't seen here in a long time. Um, (laughs) It's difficult to pick guys out because, as you know, players move around so much in in the CFL. They get, they often sign one-year contracts as free agents, and then there's a possibility they play well enough uh, to move on. So it's difficult to really look at these guys and say that they, the, they will be key Ottawa Red Blacks next season. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just it's especially difficult on a four-win football team to start pinpointing guys and saying kind of that's the future of the franchise. Because, quite frankly, they have not been good enough right across the board. And there are a lot, I, I would say there are a lot of players for varying reasons that have had disappointing seasons. And, and how does the salary cap look for this team uh, going into the 2024 season? Well, I got to think they're going to clear a little room. Uh, when you don't win football games, you've got to look at bringing in new bodies. So I would suspect that going into free agency next year, they will be probably uh, potentially a big spender. And and really, a lot of it goes back to the decision what they're what they do with quarterback. If Dustin Crum and Tyree Adams are going to be there to one and two quarterbacks next year those guys may be playing for a combined, let's say $200,000. That is probably at least 300,000, between 304,000, 400,000 more, uh, or sorry, less than any other team in the CFL will have spent on its quarterbacks. Uh, maybe, uh, it depends what Edmonton does. But but if you've spent significantly less on your quarterbacks, you can outbid any of the teams, any of the other teams in the CFL. If, you, if there's a player you want, outbid another team by 30,000. They could stack their lineup next year if they decide to go with Crom and Adams, maybe Masoli at a reduced salary with some player with some uh, player incentives built in. If you go with that as your as your setup next year, again, you can stack your lineup. You can get whoever you want surrounding them. If you were their GM Tim, what would you be looking for in the 2024 CFL draft for the uh, Red Blacks going forward? What's well, the for, biggest need? Yeah, first of all, I'd be a really bad GM. Um, but other than that, I would uh, it, teams there, there seem there, there there's a teams go for offensive linemen. They're going to have the number one overall pick. Well, I guess that's not a certainty either. But uh, they're going to pick in the top couple. Um, I would look at perhaps a, a Canadian receiver. I, this is without looking. And it, it, you almost can't even look at the, the top prospects list because the top four or five guys will end up in the NFL anyway. So that's what makes it so tricky about the CFL draft. 
is you've got to, you're not even going to get the best Canadian players. Like you look at the NHL draft or the NFL draft, and you can say, this guy's the number one prospect, and then the worst team is going to pick him. It doesn't work that way in the CFL. You can't, you're not going to get the best prospect because he's going to play in the NFL. So then it comes down to signability. You need a guy that you're pretty sure you're going to pick one or two in the CFL draft. You need to find a guy that's going to play for you the following year. So it'll be interesting uh, to see where they go. Uh, it, traditionally, again, it, it's been offensive line. So they're going to look offensive line. Um, and, I, and, and Canadian receivers a possibility for sure. Do they think quarterback? Canadian quarterback. That's hmm. lot, Nathan Rourke's brother. Hmm. Who knows? I still think Nathan Rourke should have spent another year in the CFL, but so be it. I guess, uh, I guess the money in the NFL – a second or third string quarterback is more than the CFL. But to be honest, I'd rather be playing than being on the bench. Can't blame him for, for chasing the NFL dream. And, and and I'm sure his long range goal is not to be on the bench. You got to start somewhere. And, uh, and, and he certainly looks like he has NFL possibilities. So I mean, we wish him nothing but the best of luck. But maybe someday we do see him back in the CFL. All right. Playing against finally- his brother, maybe. That's true. That's true. And we do have another Canadian quarterback with the Edmonton Oaks, uh, Trey Ford. And uh, I, I saw him the other night in Toronto. And I do feel this kid is going to be their uh, franchise quarterback, possibly for the Oaks for the next few years. Yeah. And, and a lot of people earlier in the year were questioning, why is this guy still on the bench as they were bumbling and stumbling and, and, and Taylor Cornelius wasn't amounting to much on the football field and, and Trey Ford, was on the sidelines and now we see exactly what he can be um I, he's he's certainly got the escapability factor and and um and he makes i guess what you, all you ask your quarterback make plays and he makes plays does he have the strongest arm in the league we really yet to find out because uh they've I mean, a lot of it's been based on on him on their running game so we'll see trey ford certainly um, certainly an up-and-coming Canadian quarterback with with unlimited potential. Absolutely. And finally, we'll wrap up the red-black segment here. Tim, what are some keys for a, an Ottawa upset win on, against the Argonauts Saturday night? Um, I'm trying to, let's see, some keys to the win. Hmm. Let's see, that would have to it'll be, be almost miraculous. They seem, for whatever reason, they seem to play the Argos tough over the years. Even when they've been bad, they seem to play the Argos tough, especially in Toronto. Um, they will need to keep their quarterback. They'll need to protect their quarterback because if what happens, if if they if Toronto does the same thing as Montreal did and, and Ottawa can't prevent defensive backs and linebackers from slipping through, it's going to be a long, long night. So, they, I mean, I, the key, it starts with protecting their quarterback preventing him from being sacked, giving him time to throw. And they've got to have more takeaways. You can't let Toronto win the turnover game. If Toronto gets three interceptions and two fumble recoveries, Ottawa's dead. So they've got to, they've, they need some interceptions. They need some turnovers. And if you can win, oh, one more part, less penalties, some ridiculous penalties, over hundred yards in penalties against Montreal the last game. One of the least penalized teams in the league, but it, there were just some ridiculously stupid penalties. You, you got to, if you're not a very good football team, you sure as hell better not be taking penalties. 
Also, I, I think the weather too. I'm gonna. I was talking to one of my friends the other day. The Argonauts, since they moved into BM, BMO Field, haven't had too many weather bad weather games. At the old Exhibition Stadium, which was across from BMO Field, they had a lot of bad weather days, but they seem to have lucked out in that stadium. And uh, I still would like to see the Argonauts draw twenty thousand a game there because it's a great stadium. It's a great facility. The on-field product is good, and they finally have stability with the Argos' ownership and also with Pinball Clements and Ryan Dinwiddie and Corey Mace. They've got a great coaching staff there, and and to me, the Argos are set to be, uh, to be competitive for the next few years. It's a tremendous experience at the stadium, and I grew up about an hour and a half outside of, of Toronto. I grew up an Argonaut fan. Uh, went to games at Exhibition Stadium back when they were drawing. This is pre- Blue Jays, really, they only had the Leafs to worry about. There were no Raptors, Blue Jays. And there were crowds of over 40,000. People were in love with the Toronto Argonauts. That was the, the golden days of being an Argonaut fan. And it, and it was a tremendous, just a tremendous experience to, to go into Toronto and watch the double blue. Did you have a favorite moment of the Argonauts at Old CNE Stadium? Um, I mean, just different things you remember. Like, I, I, I mean, there are players I remember. Bill, going back to Bill Simons and 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 Leon McQuay, and just there was not one moment I remember being there for. It was just a a, a series of, of things that you, that you see during your childhood, and, and it was more the players like Doyle Orange and, and, and again Bill Simons, and uh, yeah. I am getting pretty old, so my memory's not, not like it used to be. So I I do remember having, I think I had a Terry Metcalf jersey. I think it was 21, if I remember right. Uh, I could be wrong on the number because I don't have the, the jersey long ago stopped fitting me. So uh, the jersey's long, long gone. But yeah, I, I, I loved, uh, um, I can't say I'm an Argonaut fan anymore. I, uh, I mean, I cover a another team in the league and, and and I have a son who coaches with the Hamilton Tiger Cats so I can't re I really I can't say I have any allegiances right now absolutely and uh I was at the Argos 150th uh, alumni uh, game on Friday against Edmonton and I got to meet Doyle Orange who was the second Argonaut to rush for a thousand yards after Bill Simons and then I got to meet Pete Martin who was a linebacker for the Argonauts and a color analyst with them for 30 years and of course former Ottawa Ref writer uh, Alouette Carl Brazley as well. The event was just amazing seeing some of these guys there. It's always terrific to meet the guys who've been there, done that kind of the the, the trailblazers, the guy who the guys who set the tone for the product we see today. All right, and finally, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction for the game on uh, Saturday against Toronto? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> the Argos are really, really good, so I've got to favor them. Um, I'm going to give you a score of, let's see, 27 to 16 for Toronto. I think, I think it's going to be a closer game than that. I, I really do. I, I think it's going to be within seven points or less. Well, you see, if I was a really, a, if I really supported the team here, I would have maybe still picked Toronto, but I would have said it was 27, 26. Like just, you know, if you're going to pick Toronto to win, maybe I only pick them by a, one point. But realistically, uh, I, I'm putting my thinking cap on and and uh, Toronto is really good. So 
if they, I guess it depends on how long they leave their starters, how deep they leave them into the game. And it depends you, how, it depends how hungry the Red Blacks are, because it certainly didn't look like they were too hungry this, uh, uh, the other day in, in Montreal. Uh, it, it was a, just, a, I thought a horrible effort. And finally, just a quick Grey Cup prediction. Who do you see meeting up in the Grey Cup? Oh my God! Don't put me on the spot like that. It's okay. It's, Last one. It, yeah, it, 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 I, I, I can't really tell you who comes out of Winnipeg and BC have kind of flip flop back and forth. Both really good teams. The Argos are clearly dominant in the East, but we've seen before in the in the Grey Cup, we have seen teams. Ottawa was eight, nine, and one in 2016. They were far from the best team in the CFL. You just need to get hot at the right time, and Ottawa, Ottawa. In my mind, they beat the Calgary Stampeders, who were probably the better team. So if you get hot at the right time, the, all the great things the Argos have done, they need to play. They need to play out the season at the same level um, that they they need to play at that same level in the playoffs because other teams are getting better. Other teams are Absolutely. catching up. Absolutely. I think Montreal's improved from last year. And my dark horse, and I shouldn't be saying this as an Argo fan, right now is those Hamilton Tiger Cats. They seem to be playing really well, and they've got Bo Levio, Mitchell back, Schultz, and I like the kid Taylor Powell. And Orlando Steinhauer, there was talk about him being fired, and I'm like, he's a damn good coach. And I think Hamilton right now is a team that people shouldn't uh, not look at. I think Hamilton's going into the postseason, is playing as well as anybody. Well. I guess we'll find out uh, in about three weeks to a month, and then we'll, uh, in Hamilton, we'll see who it is uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the Grey Cup. Absolutely. All right, Tim, if you're okay for a couple more minutes, a couple questions. Just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, last year's Ottawa Senators team and uh, now the new ownership with uh, Michael Anlauer uh, purchasing the team. Yeah, they, last year, they didn't get off to a very good start and it, and it hurt them. It came right down to the, the final couple of weeks. They missed the playoffs by six weeks or by six weeks, by six points. And, uh, but it was with a, it was with a, a really on the rise lineup. They've got some young stars in the lineup who with another year under their belt should be better this year. When we talk about playoffs though, they're, you look at the eight teams that finished in the playoffs and you'll wonder, well, if Ottawa's going to make it to the playoffs, who falls out? Is it the New York Islanders? Uh, will Tampa Bay miss Vasilevsky in goal enough? Can, is it possible they could fall out? Could the Boston Bru the mighty Boston Bruins fall out? I mean, it, it doesn't seem likely. Maybe the Islanders are the best bet to fall out. So, okay. That doesn't necessarily put Ottawa in, though. But you've got other teams. Pittsburgh... Penguins didn't make the playoffs last year. How can you can't discount a team with Sidney Crosby and Malkin and and, and Carlson and uh, Latang, Washington Capitals, and maybe they're not in the picture, but they've got some pretty good players. And the Buffalo Sabers are another team on the rise. So important to the Ottawa Senators to get off to a good start this season. Can't afford to to come out uh, slow and build some momentum. And uh, it's going to be an interesting race in the East Division. I think right down to the right down to the final uh, few days of the season. 
And myself being a Detroit Red Wing fan, I think Steve did a great job in the draft. And and uh, I wanted to ask your thoughts, Tim, on that trade with Detroit, uh, sending Alex Debrinkat, the former Erie Otter and former Chicago Blackhawk, to Detroit. And you guys got uh, Dominic Kubalek and uh, uh, Donovan uh, Sabringo, who's uh, a, um, a minor league defenseman with Grand Rapids last year. Yeah, I think I – think, uh, uh... It's almost like they were forced into the trade. They weren't going to be able to pay to bring it, um, who should be, by all accounts, should be a great fit in the Detroit lineup. Another talk about teams on the rise. So the Red Wings are another team on the rise. Uh, Kubalik has been has been very good in camp. Uh, he's shown he can score goals. He's going to play on their third line tonight. But uh, it could be a useful part to them. Uh, sometimes when you're forced into those kind of trades, you – you you take what you can get, and I guess we really won't be able to to fully judge uh, the return for Debrinkat for a couple of years when we start assessing, you know, who the draft picks turned into, and and, and we look at what uh, Kubalik does this year. So immediately, immediately, it probably helps Detroit get a little better, and uh, Ottawa's benefits maybe more uh, two or three years down the road. Absolutely. And uh, what are your thoughts on Michael Anlauer purchasing this team? And what does this mean for the long-term stability of the franchise going forward? Yeah, certainly it brings some stability. Um, I think also there has to be a repairing of, of uh, the link to the community that was, that, that kind of had been tattered a bit, I think, under the previous ownership, uh, Eugene Melnick. I think there had been uh, there, there had been some some damage done to community relationships. Uh, there was uh, maybe distrust, um, maybe dislike from some of the fan base for the owner. I think, from all accounts, Andlauer. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about Andlauer. Seems to be a straight up guy, a hockey guy. And I think there's an excitement. I think he's excited to be involved with the franchise as part of a, of a large ownership group. And I think the fan base is excited to have him. He did a lot for hockey in Hamilton with the AHL Hamilton Bulldogs. And then when they left, he brought in the Belleville Bulls that came to Hamilton. And now they're in Brantford. And he's done a lot for hockey in the city of Hamilton. And now uh, with Brantford in the, in the Ontario Hockey League. And I really feel Brantford will succeed this time with an OHL team instead of the last team they had, the Alexanders. Are you okay for a couple more minutes? Yep. A couple more questions? Okay. Sure. Um, all right. This one I wanted to ask you. He just brought in Steve Stales, who's with Ann Lauer and the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs as presidents. What's your thoughts on him? How much do you know about Steve Stales? Not a lot. I, it, it's a case of the owner bringing in people that he knows well. Uh, there's a, obviously a trust factor there. He's worked with Steve. Uh, former player uh, has been involved in the in the hockey operations part. So it's, uh, I mean, you can never, uh, can you have too many people in your hockey operations department? Probably not. He's going to, he's going to be an overseer. And I think uh, uh, we'll see where that goes. Certainly there's maybe that puts a little bit of pressure on the, on the person immediately below him, uh, the general manager, Pierre Dorian uh, with, with a guy sitting above him who, you know, if things went sideways, maybe you could step into that role. So it's an interesting dynamic. It's a case of the owner bringing in people that he knows. 
and that he trusts to uh, run the hockey operation side of it. What are the expectations from the Ottawa media and the fans for this Senators team being DJ Smith? And could he be on the hot seat this year if the team gets off to a slow start? Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of coaches in the NHL could be on the hot seat if their team gets off to a slow start. It's it's the nature of the game. If you're not playing well, uh, somebody takes the fall. Yeah, and then you've got to you've got to have a long string of, I think, a, a lack of success. But if you're not winning hockey games, you got to you got to figure out a reason why. And it's often the, the coach that takes the fall. So is DJ Smith in any danger? I don't think immediate. Uh, and and I think the team will start off pretty well but if they don't uh there'll be an evaluation from up above and and again like a lot of situations in the nhl certainly uh the team would be faced with a decision whether he's the right right guy to push forward with the expectations i think the fans really want this thing to go to the next level and that's playoffs and i think the media is probably more cautious we've seen this team struggle for so long uh, and not be in the playoffs. It's it's almost it's, you got the Red Blacks not making the playoffs. You got the Senators not making the playoffs. It's been a bad past uh, four years for sure. So I think while the Red Blacks are are in a bit of a, a, a tailspin right now, the Red Blacks are looked at as being a team that is on the upswing and a team that has potential to get into the playoffs and maybe some do some damage in the playoffs. You look at Timmy Stutzla, uh, one of the top, is going to be, is already one of the top, I think, players in the NHL, but is only getting better. And, and he's a guy that, maybe a potential 100-point guy. So they've captain Brady Kachuk. There's a pretty good base there. They've got some good defensemen. We'll see in goal. They signed Jonas Corpusalo to be to be their starter in tandem with Anton, Anton uh, Forsberg. So there's still still some stuff that we need to see, uh, and that we'll we'll watch them over the next couple of weeks and and months. And uh, if they get off to a reasonably good start, then all is good, and the coach won't have to worry. I put you on the spot with this one. Yes, stay healthy, compete with the playoff spot in the Eastern Conference this year. Geez, you're really putting me on the spot today, aren't you? Um, sure they can. As we talked about before, though, it's who falls out. So Buffalo finished ahead of Ottawa last year, and Buffalo, I don't think, has gotten any worse. Pittsburgh trades for Eric Carlson. You can make an argument they've gotten better. So can they compete for a playoff spot? Sure they can. But first of all, they need somebody from those top eight teams to fall out. There's a lot of pretty good hockey teams in the East right now. Uh, I would suspect that the most likely to fall out would be the Islanders. But even if one of those eight teams falls out, you've got to beat the the Buffaloes and the Pittsburghs and the and the Detroits and the the Washingtons, all those teams that also probably are looking at the situation right now and thinking they have a decent chance of being a playoff team. And I think you're going to need at least 92 points to make a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference this year. At least 92. Well, they they better start winning hockey games then. Tim, I apologize for that Wi-Fi uh, issue there. Sorry about that. I think we got it. Hey, 
I'm finally going to wrap this up and then we'll get you going, Tim. But uh, what what is the latest on a new arena for the Ottawa Senators squad? Um, there's been really no news recently. And uh, Michael Andlauer has come in. He's he's meeting with all the key people uh, to get to get some movement. They're, they're, they haven't even picked a site yet. There was some talk they would be in Le Breton Flats. Uh, uh, but... We'll have to wait and see. I mean, he's at, he's looking over. I'm sure he's got people, he's got real estate people involved with him right now as, as partners in the ownership group. Sure, they're evaluating probably four or five sites, and and we'll hear in the couple of months in the coming months exactly w- how they want to move ahead. And then you need to get uh, you need to there are other levels of government you need to get through to uh, make it all happen. Hopefully. They're playing in a new home in three or four. Who knows how long it takes them to get these things built. But I think they'd like some kind of certainty and they'd like, they'd like in, in the coming months to at least know um, what where, the, where they're going to be playing their hockey games in the near future. I'm assuming this new arena, when it does get built, it will be in the, closer to the downtown or in the downtown Ottawa area instead of connecting 20, 25 minutes outside of Ottawa. Sorry, I think I lost you there. Uh, okay. I was say, I'm assuming when they do get the new rebuilt, it would be in the downtown Ottawa. Yeah, it, it right now they're in the West End, and they'd like to move something a little more central. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, where can my audience uh, follow you on social media? And uh, the game Saturday night against the Philadelphia Flyers, a home opener. Well, I'm pretty exclusively uh, a Twitter guy. I guess we, is it not even Twitter anymore? I'm an X guy, I guess. Yes. So you can X X me out at at Tim, the letter C Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S. And uh, I I post occasionally on there. So if you want to check out uh, Ottawa Senators stuff, or if you want to, I, I still I still dabble in Ottawa Red Black stuff. So CFL, NHL, and occasionally I throw out some other nonsense as well. And uh, if I do have you back on my show again, Tim, if you come back on, I'm going to have to talk to you about your trial with the Montreal Expos. And you covered them for, what, 17 training camps? I, I, my memory's not great, but yeah, that sounds right. I did. I did try out for the Montreal Expos. It obviously didn't work out because, well, here I am writing about uh, football and hockey. All right. Well, Tim, hey, I want to say thank you so much for giving me some time today to come on uh, live with CDP Sports Talk. And I've had AJ Jakubik come on from the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks and TSN 1200. And uh, you have an open invite to come back on again in the future as well. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it, Chris. Stay well. Thanks, uh, thanks, Tim, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed Season 6, Episode 48 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph with Tim Baines, a longtime columnist, journalist with the Ottawa Sun since 1988. 
Uh, Tim also played some college football at Warford Laurier and Sheridan College. And uh, Tim also once tried out for the Montreal Expos, I believe, during the 1994 lockout season. And I, I forgot to mention to Tim, uh, I guess I read up about Tim that he also had a round of golf with Alice Cooper as well. So, again, check out Tim on Twitter at Tim C. Baines. Tim, capital C, Baines on Twitter or X. And also you guys can check out the Ottawa Suns uh, website as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to the NHL season, uh, which started up last night as well. The Ottawa Suns website, guys, is the OttawaSun.com. And speaking of the Ottawa Senators, they open up their season tonight on the road against the very tough Carolina Hurricanes team. And then Saturday at the Canadian Tire Center, they open up against the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, are in Toronto Saturday night to take on the Toronto Argonauts at BMO Field. 7 o'clock kickoff at BMO Field. If you can't get down to the game, uh, you can watch it on TSN or TSN 1050 on the radio with Mike Hogan and Ben Grant. And uh, check out the Argonauts website, argonauts.ca as well. And yours truly will be in the media press box. And I will be writing a game night story and also doing some player and coaches interviews uh, before and after the game as well. And uh, before we wrap this show up, guys, I'm going to play an interview with uh, Buffalo Bison's uh, relief pitcher, Hayden Yangler, and Blue Jays prospect as well. One second. Pome here from Saline Field. Here in Buffalo, and I have a special guest with me, uh, Hayden Yanger. He's a reliever with the Buffalo Bisons. And uh, Hayden, I want to say thank you for doing this. And uh, what are your thoughts on this 2023 Buffalo uh, Bison season so far? Yeah, no problem, Chris. Uh, far this year, you know, it's kind of been a some better, some been some ups and, ups and some downs, but for the most part, we're playing good. Baseball. I think you know we got a good group of guys. We come ready to play every day. Uh, it's it's been I mean it's been a good learning season for me individually, but I think as a team, you know, we're right there. I can feel it. So can you tell my audience here in Ontario a little bit about yourself and uh who influenced you into the the game of baseball? Yeah, so I'm born and raised in right outside St. Louis, Missouri. Um actually from O'Fallon or O'Fallon, Illinois. Um I would say the person that had the most influence in my life in baseball was probably my dad. Um, even though my, my whole family played a big part in it, my mom and dad actually met on a softball field. So ironically, it's kind of like in my blood to, to my first true love and it's kind of like what I've always done. So um, yeah, baseball has like been my thing since I was, since I can remember. Uh, is there a story behind your number? And uh, since, since you're uh, from the St. Louis area, uh, what is your favorite moment of the St. Louis Cardinals? There's not a meaning behind my number. Uh, the number I actually wear a lot is 15. Uh, that was my dad's number growing up, kind of just like a family number passed down. I've wore 23 uh, before in the past. Um, I think it equals up to five. Like The number five in my family has kind of just been like a tradition thing. Uh, my favorite player growing up was Albert Pujols, so he wore fives. So that's kind of that. Um, favorite memory, I have a lot growing up, especially going to Cardinal games. Uh, I would say one, the earliest one, would probably be the 2006 World Series run they went on. But favorite memory is probably the David Freeze home run in game six of the World Series. I remember sitting there 
thinking we were about to lose, and then it gets a big triple, and then it's a home run in the 11th. So um, probably the David Freeze World Series home run. Thoughts on being drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays organization and just thoughts on the uh, Buffalo Bisons organization. And uh, also, um, what's the mindset like being a reliever as well? Yeah. Uh, for Toronto Blue Jays organization, it's a first-class organization. Care about their players. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Toronto in the first, like when I first was drafted by them. Been in the organization for a little bit now. Um, I love it. They're a great organization. Like I said, um, the Bison have been nothing but great to me since I arrived here uh, late July last year. Um, I love playing here. It's a great, great sports city. And as far as being a reliever, the mindset is just kind of going in. You know, you have to um, be ready to go from pitch one. And I think it takes maybe takes some time for you, especially if you've been a starter in the past and then come and be a reliever. It's, you got to be ready to go from pitch one and um, go, after, go, like, go right at the hitter. You know, uh, I think if you can get that mindset down, then the rest will fall into place. But I enjoy being a reliever. It's kind of get thrown in the fire and see what happens. Just quick thoughts on Casey Candell as a manager and uh, thoughts on tonight's opponents, uh, the Rochester Red Wings. Casey is, uh, I got to say, he's probably one of the best managers I've ever played for. He's a great, great human being. Um, he's, a, he's a great manager. Um, and tonight's opponent, Rochester, they, you know, they're, they're a good ball club. They got some guys that can swing. They got some, uh, some, good, some good arms down there. So it should be a good series. You know, I think um, you saw yesterday a good quality game. You know, we lost in extras, but it's part of baseball. Um, you win some, you lose some, but they're a good, they're a good team. It's going to be a good series. All right, uh, Hayden, if you're on social media, where can my audience follow you on there? Yes. So my Instagram is uh, Hayden underscore Yinger, and then my Twitter handle is HYinger23. So those are the two social medias that I'm on that you guys can follow me on. I want to say thank you so much, Hayden, for coming on here, and uh, good luck tonight against the Rochester uh, Red Wings here at uh, 705 at Sailing Field here in downtown Buffalo. Thank you so much for doing this. All right, guys, that was Hayden Yangling uh, for the younger from the Buffalo Bisons. That interview was recorded in August when I was doing some media work for the Buffalo Bisons. And check out my latest podcast from Sunday with uh, Brian Frank from the Herd Chronicles. He's a Buffalo baseball historian and he covers the Buffalo Bisons. So please check out my uh, episode with him on my YouTube channel as well. The next live with CDP Sports Talk. Sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, Monday, October 16th at 5 p.m. I have a special guest. His name is Paul Bockel, or Bicol. Uh, he's a Blue Jays super fan in Northern Ontario. His Blue Jays collection is over 10,000 items, including over 300 baseballs autographed by various Blue Jays over the decades. And he has many items from Exhibition Stadium. So tune in to Live with CDP Sports Talk Monday, October 16th at 5 p.m. with Blue Jays super fan Paul Beichel as well. Uh, I have two other shows lined up for next week. Uh, Tuesday. At uh, Tuesday, October 17th at 2 p.m., I have Jim Taddy on from TSN 1050 in Toronto to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's the pre- and post-game host of the Maple Leafs radio broadcasts on TSN 1050, and he's also the radio host for the Toronto Raptor games on TSN 1050. So Tuesday, October 17th, 
doubleheader. Jimmy at 2 o'clock from the TSN 1050 in Toronto. Then at 5 o'clock on Tuesday night, I'm going to have uh, Arthur, Buffalo Bills super fan, but book author Greg Tranter. Uh, he's the author of his latest book on the Buffalo uh, Braves, uh, who played in the NBA 1970 to 79 before they ended up moving to San Diego and then becoming the LA Clippers. So Greg's going to talk about his book about the Buffalo Braves, uh, co-written with Bud Bailey as well. So, and they just did a Buffalo Bills book in July as well. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Greg about his latest book, along with uh, uh, Bud Bailey's book about the uh, Buffalo Braves who were in the NBA in the seventies and uh, they were more successful than people thought they would as well. All right, guys, my CFL week 19 picks. I've got Hamilton over BC, Calgary over Saskatchewan, I have Toronto over Ottawa, and I have Montreal over Edmonton as well. And as always guys, I'm going to wrap this up live with CDP sports talk as a weekly sports entertainment talk show hosted by yours truly. Chris Palme is on weeknights from 8 PM to 9 PM Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, the home of Southern sports and talk and the heartbeat of Atlanta. Our radio station's website is WQEE FM.radio 12345.com as well. I want to do a couple of shout outs today, today to my friend Wayne McFarlane. He is the editor and publisher of the Digital Briefing Magazine, a monthly show. Thank you so much, Wayne, for your support on LinkedIn and for putting my show in your magazine. So check out the Digital Briefing Magazine. Com. And my other shout out is to my friend and fellow podcaster, Victoria Macanjula. She's the uh, po podcast host of the Fill Your Feeling Z podcast as well. So check her out. I have posted some of her shows on my social media pages. So a shout out to Wayne and Victoria as well. Live with CVP Sports Talk is always live streamed on these platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter slash X, you call it, Twitch, LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everybody for watching this show today with Tim Baines live streamed as well. Also, you guys can find me on my website, beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme. Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet dealership at 905 Woodlawn West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or you can email them at info at barrycullen.com as well. And speaking of Barry Cullen Chevrolet, you can gear up for fall with a 2023 Silverado 1500 pickup truck at 0.99% financing for up to 60 months. And eligible Costco members can receive a $750 bonus on select trucks. More information about that at barrycollin.com or drop by the dealership again in the Gulf Auto Mall. You can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok. I post a lot of content there as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. If you're into webinars or podcasting such as yours truly, check out StreamYard.com as well. 
Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio version is available on these platforms. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Pandora, and tuned in and weeknights at eight o'clock again on WQEE 99.1 FM. Finally, you guys can email or text live with CDP Sports Talk at cpalme19 at gmail.com or you can text the show at 519-820-7188 as well. And congratulations to the Texas Rangers who advanced to the American League Championship Series for the first time since 2011 with their 7-1 to win over the Baltimore Orioles last night. And the other game, uh, Houston is up two games to one on Minnesota. So Houston is one more win away from advancing to their seventh straight ALCS and also advancing against their uh, state rivals, the Texas Rangers. So uh, we'll see if the Twins can stay alive and force a fifth game or if the Astros uh, advance to the ALCS for some straight time. National League playoffs. You got the Braves and Phillies tied 1-1 going back to Philadelphia after the Braves' exciting 5-4 win over the Phillies. And then you got Arizona up two games to none on the Dodgers with a chance to eliminate the Dodgers in either game three or game four in Arizona as well. So it's looking great for Arizona to advance to L.A. And Philly, Atlanta, I still think that series is going to go five. And I still think the Dodgers are going to get back in the series against Arizona as well. And also, guys, Looking forward to the CFL action this weekend. Again, I'll be at BMO Field in the media press box, and I'll be doing a game night story for the Argonauts and uh, hopefully doing some player and coaches interviews as well. But I want to say thank you again to my guest, Tim Baines, a journalist, columnist with the Ottawa Sun since 1988, and he covers the Ottawa Senators and the Red Blacks uh, as well for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk today. And that's about it for Season 6, Episode 48. And uh, next week I got three more shows, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Monday's show with Paul, and then Tuesday with Jim Taddy and Greg Tranter, uh, the uh, co-author of the, the latest book about the Buffalo Braves who were in the NBA in the 1970s as well. So I hope everybody has a great afternoon. Great evening and enjoy the Major League Baseball playoff games. And we'll see you here Monday at 5 o'clock for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk brought to you by Barry Cohen Chevrolet here in Guelph and weeknights at 8 on WQEE 99.1 FM. Good afternoon, everybody. What's up, guys? It's Adam Simpson. Thank you.